Welcome back to another hour of Sky Shower. This is Noah. And this is Jesse. All right, Jesse. Hey, uh, and to everyone out there, hopefully you guys had a great week. Um, I know I spent my week uh, house-sitting over at my parents' <laughs> house, and um, and I was, went and seen Top Gun like two more times, so a total of three times. And I think we have to put this one to rest before we go any further. Who was the better pilot? Oh, man, you know, Maverick. <laughs> I agree. Maverick was absolutely the better pilot. And interestingly enough, that gets brought up. The question gets brought up on more than one occasion during the movie. And it was literally the focus of our pre-Top Gun 2 Maverick show when we did the original Top Gun movie review. Yeah, exactly. So I thought we had to bring that up and we totally missed the ball on that one uh, the last episode. But hey, uh, you know, at least we talked about it now. I, You know, Maverick was the better pilot. And as we both stated... We thought uh, Iceman was the better man, and I think it kind of showed in the movie, too, with him being the admiral and watching out for Maverick. So, um, so uh, anything else you want to say uh, on that final notes there? No, I didn't go see it two more times like you, just once more so far, <laughs> just but I'm planning more. on seeing it again. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I will probably see this easily four times. If my parents were more mobile, I would absolutely take them to go see it in the theater because it is a movie I believe should be viewed on the big screen. It was that De- great. Definitely. This one does need to be viewed on the, on the big screen. And if you can, you want to go to one that has like a good sound system, like the Dolby Atmos theater. Uh, Cause like when you hear those engines roar, it, like it just totally shakes the whole theater. And you're just like, yeah, this is badass. You know, when I uh, really thought about it and after seeing it the second time with my kiddos and then going to talk to my parents with my kiddos about it, one of the things that I have to, to revisit is one of the things about this movie that makes it so great to me is that as an American, this movie actually gives me hope in one of the darkest times in my life, um, we're talking about an economy that's more shaky than the week following the 9-11 Twin Towers incident. Um, the economy is in the toilet. Uh, it's, it's rough. And as a parent and even just an American, that's a little scary knowing my invested dollars are whirling around in a hurricane of who knows what. And Tom Cruise <laughs> gave me hope. I... I uh, would love someday to meet this guy and just thank him for, if nothing else, you know, really bringing this movie to life, to bring it to us as Americans or to anyone who watches it for that matter, because it literally gave me hope. Um, and I love the fact that this guy and so many people throughout my years have not liked Tom Cruise. And it's like, well, what is it you don't like about him? Well, this and that and the other. And it always comes down to something they didn't like about with a parent. And why, you know, it's almost very Amber Heard-esque in the <laughs> sense of uh, he was guilty before proven innocent and he never got a chance didn't find it necessary did what was best for his kids and i love that about this man who at the end of the day was and is a man who goes out and he not only does he pay his bills uh, and lots of other people's but he goes out and still continues to develop things that are entertaining meaningful and have actually given me hope. And that is rare, especially at this age. Uh, Tom Cruise, if you're ever out there, you ever watch this show, you hear this. Thank you for giving this uh, adult male with two kids hope. Hey, you bring up a great point. Uh, I, I think our economy hasn't been this bad since the Carter years. Dude, it's terrible. And maybe like even like 
he may even have to go all the way back to the 20s to see how bad like uh, this economy is. But you're right. Uh, This movie, talk about perfect timing. This movie came out at the right time. It did give uh, everyone like that. uh, I don't know. It gave me hope too. And I don't have like, I'm, I'm, I don't have two kids, and so I have to kind of live vicariously <laughs> through both you and Brian, uh, and then have to kind of take my, uh, uh, you know, um, my 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 points here from you guys on like what it's like to be a parent, and uh, I I can't uh, imagine like how how the future looks uh, would look for as a parent for their child. I would, I mean, I would I can tell you right now if I were to have a child i would not i'd be very cautious about wanting to bring a child into this into this world right now that we're living in because it's crazy it's just scary it's yeah. uh, out of uh, control and being out of control <laughs> never feels good it, it just no. never feels good all right I, well i think we got like way off way off track uh, that's my fault here <laughs> <laughs> hey it was a good point to bring up um, a movie where we had a lot of fun during the movie during the podcast maybe too much fun <laughs> and man uh was not planned on getting that loose lipped at some points but it was it's good to revisit that because um again for me like Tom Cruise, you are the man. Yeah, I agree. All right, so this evening, uh, for those of you who uh, helped through our little tirade there, uh, (laughs) uh, this evening we are going to be covering the Glenn Farkless 17. Ooh, I can't wait to try this, buddy. Uh, This is going to be really good. (laughs) Uh, And then uh, we have our shout-outs and get-it-togethers. Restaurant review. Uh, I forget the name of the restaurant. Las Rizas. Las Rizas. Great food. Oh, man. It was a treat. It was definitely a treat. And our topic tonight is the moon landing. Was it real or was it fake? Yes. And when we say that, we're most emphasizing the original moon landing. Scotch review. this Glenn Farkless 17, Glenn Farkless, a Speyside single malt scotch whiskey. This one's a 43% ABV. If you want to know more about the Glenn Farkless house of scotch, please revisit some of our other shows because we could talk about it for hours. Um, it's great. It's in movies like The Gentleman, not this particular version, but the 40-year-old um, and they really believe in making a great scotch whiskey and it, they have succeeded. Now, the 10, the first one we had on the show, was a little young. It that, was. That is the truth. It was still good. Brian made the comment about how it had such a long finish that that made it overcome any of the questions about the initial taste, um, which we all have a, agreed at this point. Yeah. If you're having to sip it every two seconds, there's probably it's probably not the best scotch. Right. Um, and as we've gone up through the different ages, increased the time they have spent in their oak barrels, um, they've only gotten better. So this one we are super excited about. Pretty simple tin. This one's almost a coppery brown, would you call it? Not so much copper, but more brown. A tan, kind of like a... Uh, I was going to say like a... Leather. Yeah, maybe brown leather. leather. Brown leather, brick. <laughs> brown i'm not really sure <laughs> it's not a bad color but uh i don't know it's the best color it's not sexy no it's not sexy uh, i'll give you that the bottle always a good bottle it's a well-known bottle you can't go wrong with this bottle simple classy 
great colors. Looking forward to it. They use their, I think it's always had the copper top here. I wonder if the copper top is supposed to be in relation to like copper stills. Yeah. Okay. I am sure that because they're super proud of their stills. Yeah, they are. And, and if, for those of you who don't remember, uh, this has been family owned for over five generations. Yeah, 180 years roughly. Right. That's and, amazing. Yeah. Also unheard of. The, the McAllen doesn't even have that. No, they don't. In fact, I think uh, it was owned. It started being owned by one family starting in 1865. Right. Um, so as you're opening that up and pouring it, oh. uh, the one thing I, I'll point out uh, that we haven't really talked about before is that they do have the their tour center open up in 1973, and you can do the classic tour where it's about an hour and a half long, and it costs about $9.38 to do. <laughs> but where it gets really interesting is when you do the connoisseur tour that's about anywhere from two to two and a half hours cost fifty dollars still nothing and you get uh, a tasting from one of the family casks um which is supposed to be pretty good and they get four other um uh tastes uh from like uh what they call the uh grant family expressions and I, uh, I like the fact that they do that. You have mentioned yourself in the past, and as they obviously do, they take some of their best barrels, uh, our casks, uh, family casks, and they save them for themselves. A little selfish. They still share, right? He drops here and there, but somewhat selfish for the best. And you yourself had mentioned with the Dalmore 15, yeah, it's not a scotch you're bringing over to a card party <laughs> for a bunch of guys who won't appreciate a scotch of that caliber. It'd go to waste, and you're going to save it for yourself. Well, and it gets even better if you like that because they have one more step up and this one is called the five decades tour okay 250 and that one is actually 156 dollars. that's it that's it and it's about two to two and a half hours once again and this consists of um the family casks once again but you get one uh you get a taste from one family cask from uh, uh, from the last five decades. So that starts in the 1960s, 70s, 80s, 90s, and 2000s. 2000s. Yeah. So, uh, and so I figured we'd go ahead and mention that to you guys since we talked about Glenn Farkless and some of our other episodes, but I don't think I ever talked about their tours. No, and uh, I'm telling you right now, I'm, I'd find the money. I'd go stand on a street corner <laughs> to do that decades tour. Be the like, decades tour would be awesome. Need 100 and Forty nine dollars more to get my decades tour going. As soon as I got that, need seventeen hundred for round trip air flight. <laughs> and <laughs> since I did mention in the 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 U.S. dollars because we're in the United States, but if you are over in the U.K., uh, the standard is uh, seven hundred uh, seven dollars and fifty quid, uh, forty quid for the uh, connoisseur, and then one hundred and twenty five quid for the um, for the five decades tour. That's awesome. All right, um, cheers, and uh, I guess we'll do our cheers. warp speed.
So here, what I got on this color here, I'm, I'm seeing I'm going first like normal. Yeah. Okay. You're good. Uh, I have uh, here is a uh, an orange gold color. Um, it's a little bit on the orange side. It's not quite as brassy, goldy as I as I like, but it's still kind of in the darker in the darker tier, like the lighter darker tier, I guess. Uh, which is pretty nice. I do like that. Um, as far as the nose go, I got like a hints of cocoa, toffee, sherried pills, which I think kind of gives it that sweet flavor that you're kind of mentioning to me earlier, uh, as well as a little bit of peat. Now, when I go and I, uh, I go to drink it on my palate, uh, this is where I get, it's like, it's smooth. It's light. Um, it does kind of, it carries that smooth, smoothness, smoothness carries all the way through from the beginning of the palate to the end. Um, as far as the flavors I'm getting on there, I get like candied fruits, um, or maybe it's uh, the pills, uh, um, dried peels maybe. Um, and then you definitely get that sweetness from the cherry. Mm -hmm. And you also get hints of spice. But I didn't really want to bring up the hints of spice too much on the on the palate there because I think where you really start to notice that the, the cinnamon uh, that spice from the cinnamon is right there on the finish because you get hit with that first, and then uh, you get the hint of the smoke to finish up. And it's it's a pretty nice medium to long finish. Uh, it's an enjoyable one. Here's another one I probably would not take to my buddies. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this one's right poker. around the hundred and twenty, hundred and thirty dollar price point. Yeah, I wouldn't take it to I wouldn't take it to poker <laughs> night. This is another one I probably share with just like a couple of good friends sitting around the the fire pit smoking. Uh, you know, smoking a cigar and uh, and maybe having a steak dinner or something. That sounds pretty good. Or go out and play golf and uh, have a stash in my golf bag. <laughs> yeah. What's that? Uh, it's the gas for the golf cart. It's electric. Don't worry about it. <laughs> right? <laughs> I got this. <laughs> uh, for me, a lot of the same notes, not necessarily in the same order. I think this scotch is outstanding. Now, I think part of that, and I have to be honest, is I absolutely fell in love with this scotch when I saw it in The Gentleman. And thinking about that whole experience, the exchange while they're drinking the scotch well played, um, really made me want to try it. And then doing some of the research, finding out, I really do believe that this family is fully invested in making their scotch whiskeys, that I think you do taste some of that in there. Um, again, the 10 wasn't necessarily the most mature scotch, uh, maybe not even quite ready, could have aged uh, two more years to double the effect, but it was still great. For me, color medium gold uh, yeah it's not it's not as dark as i thought it might be based on some of the other expressions that we've had around the same age um the nose oh man toffee malt you mentioned the sherried peels um i kind of get a little bit of that and then i get this hint of dates and i'm talking about the little cubed almost uh candy dates that aren't too sweet but they add just a little bit in there. And that's probably from the sherried peels and other pieces, whatever they may have done on the palate as you move on. You mentioned this in a different way, but what I'm going to say is this is a creamy smooth from start 
to almost finish. There's that little spike. If you're giving this a 10 second journey of flavor, there's a spike of cinnamon right around seven, and then it mellows back to creamy and peat for me. Um, some of those flavors in there, buttery toffee. You get the toffee. The dates again, that little bit of, I, I think it's coming from the sherry casks or however they have introduced that sherry flavor into this. It's outstanding. Um, that cinnamon, as we get to the finish, that cinnamon kick, I kind of love it. It's warming and uh, yeah, this is a great scotch. Um, definitely like can see this being one you'd want to keep on the shelf for a celebration. Not too long as we remember. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Once you get past the halfway point of that bottle, you got maybe a year. <laughs> <laughs> and as you're going through yours, I actually picked up another hint there. To me, it tastes like, uh, like in the finish, I got like a little bit more of a, like a mocha or a cocoa. Mm, yeah. Uh, I think as we keep drinking this uh, throughout the show, I think we're going we're gonna to pick up some other, other details. I can't believe how creamy it is. It is. Throughout. Very creamy. It is amazing. And when you think of different flavors and then you think about those flavors, including the cinnamon as it's, it's getting this chance to breathe, being a creamy cinnamon, it's fantastic. I agree. Hey, did you get, you had that cinnamon uh, thing from dinner, right? Yeah, I didn't eat it because I was <laughs> going to. And then I'm like, I'm going to totally wreck this scotch. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, <laughs> anything else you want to say about Glenn Parkless? No, uh, uh, like two thumbs up for me. It's time for our shout-outs. Oh, you know, my shout-out and my get-it-together kind of go hand-in-hand hand because after seeing Top Gun Maverick and with my kiddos and then going and talking to my parents, of course, politics come up. <laughs> and with that, um, I really started asking, and I was trying to get a feel of my the impression of my daughter and my son on the political world. And I said, I really hope the people who voted Biden in realize what they did to everyone. Now, I don't think Biden actually did win the vote is more and more uh, fun facts come out. It looks like more and more fraud has happened, whether or not he got it um, at this point, it's kind of like, yeah, it's, it's too late. It, even the votes he did get was enough to make it happen. So for that, the, the comment again was, I really hope the people who helped Biden get into office realized what they were going to do to all of the American people on average. Now, the billionaires and the millionaires and the people making 250K plus a year probably aren't feeling the prices of steak almost doubling in price, chicken going up 60% now, um, restaurants and wings and everything else going up 40%, gas uh, up almost 180%. Some of these things keep going on depending on where you're living. Some of these numbers may seem inflated or underinflated if you live in California. <laughs> um, with that though, I, I asked, you know, do, I really hope they understand and my daughter and son particularly da daughter was really quick to answer 
I don't think they do, Dad. I don't think they hold themselves accountable at all that they care or realize what they did. They just hated Trump. And I was like, well, why do you think, like, why is that what makes a decision? She's like, because they're not thinking about what's best for the whole. They're thinking about what they do and don't like emotionally as opposed to what's going to keep their pockets growing, their bank accounts growing, their stocks, and maybe it's crypto growing. And instead, everything has been shrinking except for the prices we're all paying, which is making <laughs> everything that we currently own shrink. And now it's starting to hit the housing market. Um, I don't know that after two years of damage, the Fed had much of a choice to slow inflation, particularly around the housing market. Uh, but it is having a big impact on everyone. The economy is in turmoil. I'm, I'm worried. <laughs> the A-team. <laughs> so, so I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, I, I, I get that's the, the, the get it together part. The get like, together is for everyone who didn't doesn't own their vote for Biden having an impact on the rest of us who didn't. <laughs> and my shout out Biden being, voters. Yeah, my shout out. Well, not not, not all the Biden voters. There are going to be the millionaires and the billionaires who were like, yeah, go Biden. I don't feel any pain. <laughs> No, they own it. They don't feel it. For the ones who are feeling the pain and still blaming somebody other than themselves for being a part of that, or at least not owning any of it, that's the trouble. The shout out to everyone out there who's starting to realize, hey, when I take this vote and I cast it, I'm having an impact and I should own that. That's actually, I agree with both of those. Uh, I think that's a great shout out. I think that's a great get it together because uh, honestly, the... <laughs> Uh, unless you're like really 110% behind the whole green new deal and you want to get rid of like gas and no meat for people and all that kind of crazy stuff. Uh, I don't see how you could be happy with Biden at this point. Well, even in California, who's you could say is at the far front of a lot of the <laughs> green new deal. Um, they are running into problems where people don't, there aren't enough charging stations for all the people who bought their electric cars. <laughs> and here's a weird part here. I'm not sure if these people understand it, but they did this. <laughs> not only did they do this, but the, the electric cars, okay. the amount of pollution gets, that gets put out by the, like, uh, by the uh, power plants and the uh, and the the batteries and all that, you're not doing. You're doing just as much damage to the earth as you were with the, with the oil, yeah. <laughs> so if not more, yeah. <laughs> and I don't think they really understand that. I, it's not even you know. We've talked about it for two years now, and we've talked about it for a year plus on our show. There, The problem is that everyone wants these electric cars, and they're fast, and they're fun. And if you haven't driven one, I fully support you getting out there, driving one. They accelerate great. Um, most of the technology in them is very new, uh, so they stop very well. A lot of driving assists, um, a lot of technology in there. Uh, but the problem really comes down to you can have all these electric vehicles, but yes, when you're still burning fossil fuels in diesel generators, as you're trying to make a trip that's over 500 miles from point A to point B, and you have to stop at a diesel generator, generating electricity so you can charge your car halfway between here and Las Vegas, uh, danger, danger, high voltage. <laughs> What happens when an EMP hits? What, not just that. I mean, there's a ton of things. I don't understand. And maybe maybe that's my, my struggle is I see it so simply. Okay, so if you want to have a gasoline-powered car, you got to have gas. U.S., two years ago, number one distributor in the world as far as a single country, as far as distributing gas. And we're good. 
And then, no, now we can't have gas. So we got electric cars. Okay, electric cars, great. We got to generate electricity. Uh, our power grids are going haywire left and right. Our power plants are aging. No nuclear new power plants have been created. Um, Europe is a prime example for what us not to do. And we are following their suit. Like, what is wrong with this picture? Obama, during his first election, before he was elected the first time, promised he was going to have more nuclear power plants created. And he did not do that at all. And that is, to this day... The second thing that I'm most offended about by Obama, the first was killing NASA. <laughs> Thank God Trump brought it back. I think Obama tells about as much truth as Biden does. <laughs> but <laughs> I mean, I didn't have a whole lot against Obama. And when he was saying nuclear, I'm like, okay, there's a chance. And then that didn't happen. Now there's no chance. All the electric cars in the world, no electricity. You can't put up enough wind farms for that. You no. <laughs> And that also hurts the environment anyways with birds and things like that. Birds and bees and. Yep. Um, so we'll just leave that right there with a uh, shout out and get together. Cause I'll just jump on with that. I, I agree. I agree wholeheartedly with what you're saying there. I, yeah. Thank you. I, I think it, it really stemmed also from again, Tom Cruise. You are the man. Great movie and makes people really consider what are they owning or not. Of Las Brisas. I have wanted to try this restaurant for like 25 years. It sits right there at Clinton and Arapahoe Road, tucked into the parking lot. Uh, really, what would you say? Like not even 100 yards away from the Target there, which is also a relic. Target 147, been there for ages. Um, so this restaurant's been there for a long time, and I've wanted to go, and we finally did it. And uh, except for the rice, everything was great. Yeah, I would say it would be really easy for you. Like, as you're talking about when you first come in, you're, you're not lying. It's like right there. If you're not really paying attention, it would be pretty easy to miss. Yeah. As we went in, I thought the decor was pretty nice. On the outside, it's not the, the greatest. No. It's kind of uh, boring, actually. Like the meatball eatery on the farther side of the parking lot is far greater. That, that's a sexy building at this point. They have continued to do well. Um, Las Brisas on the outside is just kind of tucked in there. They haven't done a whole lot. No color, um, nothing exciting. But you go inside and the interior decor was pretty great. Yeah, I, lo I liked it. I loved like the uh, the chairs in there. and You can hear the water fountain that's going on and they had like this really nice um, was it a furnace? or Not a furnace, but a uh, uh, it wasn't a fireplace. It's one of those things where you put the wood in. I forget what they're called. Um, wood burning like, stove, maybe? I think it's, yeah. Brick oven, wood burning stove type yeah. of setup. Yeah, that looked really nice there in that other little section of the dining room. Yeah. I think that's their uh, attempt at romance. <laughs> <laughs> Turn up the heat, keep the water going, make sure it's wet and warm. <laughs> 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 yeah, but it's really nice in the inside. Is like the like you said, the decor is really well done. And uh, as we started through our journey of food at the restaurant, both had a house margarita. Margaritas are not your favorite. I do like a good margarita, although if I drink more than two anymore, I get so much heartburn, it's not worth it. Um, the margarita to me was pretty good. It had some great flavor, not too sweet, which is a big piece. I thought the margarita was was okay. Um, 
not one to write home to, but I agree with you. Not very sweet. So it'd probably be one I drink more often than not. Yeah. All right. So for my dinner, and they had some great salsa. Their salsa was great. Their chips were good. Their salsa was great, though. That I don't know what spice they put in there, if it was just red chili or what, but it had some kick, but not too much. I do not like hot foods. It had just enough. I would actually buy jars of that to throw on to things to bring home. Um, if they haven't thought about that, we should go tell them and then uh, like figure out a way to make some money. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they can you know, use the money themselves. So for my entree, I had... And so I got to also say, like, I looked at this place for the last 25 years, and one of the reasons it wasn't, like, a huge draw is I'm like, all right, so it's your average little Mexican restaurant. Been here forever, probably pretty good. Go in and look at the menu. Uh, there's not a whole lot of average anything on this menu. Again, the salsa was fantastic. The margarita good. The dinner menu was exciting. Um, things on here, I don't know that I've experienced anywhere else. So I had the relleno de mariscos. Um, so right around the $17 price point, pretty reasonable because you have scallops, shrimp, and crab meat wrapped in a blue corn tortilla accompanied by a crispy chile relleno topped with pico de gallo and a choice of lobster or chipotle cream sauce. I did half and half with the lobster and the half chipotle cream sauce. I, you didn't go wrong if you chose either one of them i did prefer the lobster just a little bit but both were outstanding overall um except for the rice the black beans were good the dinner itself was outstanding um the server was pretty good uh how about your meal oh my meal <laughs> dude next level just saying my meal was incredible i loved it <laughs> i loved every minute of my meal uh, i got the uh, swordfish fajitas again not your average Mexican <laughs> restaurant. It was a no. Latin restaurant, and we're talking about like Europe Latin. <laughs> yeah, there was like there was definitely some like things in there I, I would have never seen at a Mexican place. Uh, but this one, yeah, they had this. Uh, you know, to me, here's what I was looking at. I'm like, okay, normally when I go to a Mexican restaurant, I'll just get a uh, a beef burrito smothered in uh, hatch green hatch green chili sauce. Uh, you know, with like. Uh, guacamole and sour cream lettuce and tomato um but this time i'm like you know what I'm, I'm at a new restaurant this place has like some unique items on their menu let's let's, let's go let's go big when he says unique get ready for this <laughs> so so i did so i went with unique so i went with the swordfish fajita it was grilled to perfection it was so great uh yeah small piece of it it was perfect it like and uh, it just, and then I also got black beans with mine. They give you a choice of black beans, uh, refried or pinto, I think it was. Uh, so I went black beans, uh, but it's just like the rest of it is like your normal kind of like fajita setup. But really, just what really kicked it over the top though was that that swordfish. It was so incredibly good. And to your point with the uh, salsa, oh my gosh. <laughs> That salsa was good, and I totally agree with you. That'd be something like just to go there, just to buy the salsa and bring it home and have like, yeah. you know, just chips and salsa at home. Absolutely. So. Game night. <laughs> yeah, right? Uh, and uh, my meal was uh, $26. Um, it was a little bit more than what I had anticipated on paying for dinner tonight, but um, go big or go home, I guess. You know, like it was it was great. Uh, if, if you want to try something new and different, uh, and you want something that's good, definitely that's that's the way to go. Now, it's a little interesting because their hours of operation 
partially, I'm sure, because of where they're located a little bit different. They close at 8.30 p.m., um, which is pretty early. At least that's 8.30 p.m. on a weekday. And uh, as we went on Monday, that's that's pretty early. Um, so date-worthy, if you're looking for a total experience inside, um, would I take a first date there? Absolutely. Uh, again, don't let the outside of this book be its judge. Don't judge this book by its cover because the inside was nice. The food... Great. Man, if you can't find something exciting on that menu, it reminds me of Machete with their lobster tacos, <laughs> all right? If you can't find something exciting on this menu, uh, yeah, don't. if she can't do that, do not take her on a second date because <laughs> this menu was fun. It was. Um, I loved the menu. And even for me, I'm like, wow, really? I'm going to basically have a blue corn enchilada with shrimp, <laughs> scallops, and crab meat? Okay. Yes, please. <laughs> Like, oh, yeah, okay. Um, so first date worthy, absolutely. Second date worthy, go with a friend, yes. Um, uh, for a weekend type of thing, again, not open super late. That's where it kind of loses some of its sex appeal if you're trying to stay out till 9, 10 um, or later. But otherwise, uh, food for me, Man, it's like eight and a half. It's almost a nine. The, the, the rice was really just rough. <laughs> but everything else, like if you take just the entree, we're going to go entree and salsa, nine. Um, everything else, though, drops it to an eight and a half. For me, the service was, he was good, not great, an eight. Um, did his job well, not intrusive, got our food, took care of us. Um, value, I think value wise at all. So we also won, we had a coupon, he took care of us. Um, so overall for me, and this is interesting, uh, because I don't know that a whole lot of, uh, like Latin or Mexican styled themed food restaurants would get a whole lot of a uh, score for me. And I usually st try to steer clear of the halves, but it's not a nine, but it's more than an eight. So I got to give it an eight and a half. I would uh, say that uh, an eight and a half is actually a pretty good score, by the way, uh, for the for those of you who are keeping count out there. Oh yeah, um, food. I'm gonna give mine a like a nine point five. Dude, yours was dynamite. <laughs> that one piece I had, I was like, damn, mine's delicious. This is next level. It was literally swordfish cooked to perfection. It was. It was it, they did a really good job for it. So I'm gonna give it about a nine point five. Uh, for originality and their menu, that's the, that's got to give it at least a nine there. Uh, atmosphere, uh, like once again, don't judge the book by its cover, as Jesse has mentioned. Um, but when you go inside, I'll give the decor probably like a, like an eight. Uh, definitely first date worthy, second date worthy. Meeting friends there. I do agree with you. Like any good restaurant probably should be open until about like 10, 11 o'clock at night, especially during the like Friday, Saturdays, maybe even Thursdays. Um, and I think overall, I'm going to give it a nine. It was, it was a good experience. And the reason why I'm giving it a nine is because I'm comparing it to other Mexican restaurants. And I don't think any other Mexican restaurant can really match. That. I mean, Real de Minas, very good. But the but over there, their their dishes are pretty much the norm. And I think that's what that's what this one sticks out a little bit more. Oh yeah, absolutely. The 
Apollo 11 NASA mission where Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin launched off of the Earth's surface and reportedly walked on the surface of the moon July 20th, 1969. Fact or fiction? Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> doom, doom, doom. What do you think? Um, well... I think there's enough things out there to make you question about whether or not it really did occur. Uh, there's a lot of things that there's a lot of like um, history channel uh, specials and things like that that are set up there to debunk um, the fake moon landing theory. And really, if it's something that was like so true that it was like no question about it. You wouldn't have to like have all these debunking specials to debunk, to debunk that. Um, so there's obviously things that the government must have done or did do, which I guess they must have done. They did do this to cause people to doubt whether or not it really truly did occur. Um, I'm, I'm going to save. I'm going to save a little bit later <laughs> what I really actually believe if it was real or fake. Uh, but I figure we can talk about a few things before we get to that point. Um, do you want to say? Do you want to reveal right away or no? No, we can reveal at the end. Okay. Maybe we'll convince each other a different opinion. <laughs> okay. So a couple, you know, things to think about here. Again, we mentioned July twentieth, nineteen sixty-nine. Now, as we have visited more than one conspiracy theory on the show, uh, another one that happened roughly six years earlier. Kennedy assassination. So one of the biggest things, the arguments that there's no way it could have been faked is the fact that <coughs> is the fact that the video film uh, of the landing and on the moon was filmed in 10 frame per second, slow scan television. And that oh, all the studios at that point were using 30 frame per second. How is that evidence that it couldn't have happened in the studio because they were using a slower camera? Now, if you're telling me, well, they were using NASA technology that would only work on the, the, the lunar moon surface, that's a whole different story. But telling me, oh, yeah. There's no way that happened because um, they were using a Polaroid and in studios, they're using digital cameras. <laughs> so what are you saying? You can't take a Polaroid to the, to the studio uh, to fake it? Like, wait a minute. Uh, no. Um, so that's my first thing. Uh, but when we talked about that and the Kennedy assassination, as more and more evidence has come out, they absolutely doctored, adultered, and changed the video of the Kennedy assassination, the cars that drove by yep, the gutter, the sewer drain, um, everything else. Um, so to think that six years later, we couldn't do that is kind of naive. But the real part that kills me is why are you trying to convince me that they, it couldn't be fake because they used inferior, inferior, not superior, but <laughs> inferior technology. <laughs> All right. So, my first thing to point out, and this is just real minor before I actually get into my real, real first point. Do you trust the government? 
if you are naive enough to say you fully 100% trust the government, then you might believe the moon landing is, is happened. Second thing, do you trust the media? And if you say that you trust the media and you're naive enough to say yes to that as well, then you might believe that the moon landing happened. Now, from our first real point here, I'm going to bring up uh, this gentleman. His name is Marcus Allen from Nexus Magazine. Uh, he's been um, writing about the moon landing uh, for quite a while. He's been on uh, Coast to Coast with George Nori and also with Art Bell. And one of the things he talks about is the entry back into the Earth. He's like, we have the technology to get to the moon. And he doesn't question that part. The part he starts questioning here is on the return. Now, on the return, uh, there's such a there's like a really small window of opportunity to make it back in through Earth's atmosphere coming back. And you're going he's talking about like when you come back, because there's no brakes, you he's you're gonna be going faster than what than those people who are in the low orbit oh, low orbit. And so he says the probability of someone actually aiming it in there with the technology that they had back then is if we had two people, one person on the Empire State Building, another person down below, the person on top of the Empire State Building is going to drop a marble that's one inch in diameter, and the person on the bottom gonna is going to have a beer mug, and they have to catch the marble six times in a row. And that's the same probability uh, to have someone go from the moon back to Earth uh, and getting the right uh, trajectory going in so that way they don't burn up or having the right speed and trajectory so they don't bounce off uh, the atmosphere and go off, off into space. So that window is so small and minute, the probability of someone going in there without the, like, the right technology and being like spot on is almost impossible. You bring up an interesting point here, um, and I think that's another thing when everyone tries to prove that the conspiracy could never have happened. So you mentioned that dropping a one-inch marble top of the Empire State Building into a coffee mug six times in a row. Why is it? Because I'm not questioning, I'm actually not questioning the other five moon landings. I'm questioning the first one, <laughs> only one. Why is it that the immediate response is, well... All six times we were here and here. No, 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 no. Don't tell me about the fourth and fifth and sixth times. Tell me about the first time. Well, no, but the third time. No, 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 no. Tell me about the first time. Um, and the thing there is they're absolutely using over a decade's worth of technology improvements things because um, I do believe we've been to the moon. I have zero doubt about that, like in my heart. My question has always come to the first one and you're the, the questions you posed of, do you trust your government? Well, not after they assassinated Kennedy and we're dealing with the president in office that was involved in that. Um, and also, do you trust the media? Well, look again, we've talked about how is it that during Gulf War, we had constant ideas of what was going on in uh, the Middle East, Saudi Arabia, all of these things. And here in Kuwait and Russia, we have no idea. We don't get to see anything except for fake video of, oh, there's this ter terrible Ukrainian town of all these people killed and left on the side of the road. And as the camera goes by, they didn't realize the side view mirrors catching them get up because they weren't told to stay down until it was all over. Uh, uh, fake war. Now, I do think the war is real. Uh, I'm thinking they're playing on heartstrings and it's ridiculous to me. So with that, yeah, uh, again, stop 
trying to divert the attention to the first moon landing and to the other five, um, really just focus on the first. With that, my point that goes along with that is we were in the R, America's biggest arms and science, really, technology war race of our history. At that point in time, it was the United States Cold War versus Russia. This is all getting ready to like become a bigger deal than ever. And we had to be first. Um, I like, I, I got to admit, I'm a pretty honest guy. I, I probably we were getting our asses kicked. We were getting our asses kicked. And I, that's what I'm saying is I got to admit, like I'm, I'm a straight poker player. I'm not the best at poker because my poker face isn't that great. But at the end of the day, if I had to cheat, I would seriously consider it if I was trying to uh, contain and keep the American public in my good grace. Yeah, so with what you're mentioning there, Russia had already sent a man up into uh, in, up into space. They already sent the monkey into space. They already had their first satellite in space. So they were totally kicking our ass before we even did before we even got off the ground. And uh, the thing is, like, we even had Project Paperclip going, if we really want to dive in there, where we brought over the uh, German scientists over there. So is it Von Braun? Is that? I'm not sure if that's the guy's name. I think it was who did uh, create the V2 rockets. Yeah, uh, from uh, Germany, yes. Yep. So he, was, he, was, he became the head person of our, of, uh, of our of basically NASA, right, um, in our, in our um, Apollo program and stuff like that. But we were still way behind um, the Soviet Union at that point, or Russia. Um, so here to go with your, like, if I had a, you know, if I wanted to, to be the first to the moon and I knew we, we weren't going to make it, um, then you would cheat. Yeah. And this is also something that's not, that is undeniable. Everyone knows that this happened, but there was multiple stages of, uh, where they filmed to practice the moon landing with the rovers and stuff like that. And, uh, so and they and and everyone who who worked on it all documented saying like we got like super close to what it would be in real life. Yeah, for sure. When you talk about the video, the one of the rumors out there is that Stanley Kubrick was involved, and their only argument, the only argument anyone ever has about, oh no, Stanley Kubrick wouldn't have done it. Why not? He was such a perfectionist. He would have required for the moon landing to be filmed on location on the moon. Unless you're trying to pull off the greatest trick in American history. <laughs> well, there's a documentary called Room, is it Room 132 or when, what is that? What, what are the famous room is from the, uh, from the Shining? Oh, I don't remember the room, but. Uh, but there's a, there's a documentary about that, that, that room. The Stanley Hotel. Yeah. And um, they talk about like how Kubrick uh, used the, uh, the Shining to uh, pretty much, um, say that he did direct the moon landing and i was like part of using the little that little kid's uh, sweater with the with the rockets as usa on there yeah so it's interesting that you point that out because i think there's some truths to that as well as it was only two years later after apollo 11 reportedly landed on the moon that uh James Bond, his in Diamonds Are Forever, made fun of the fake moon landing two <laughs> years later, like immediately after. <laughs> so 
<laughs> so the team in question, all right, so we talked about all this stuff, right? There's also the whole fact, like, people would not think uh, that the moon landing was fake unless the government did something shady. Uh, there's uh, there's that moon rock. Um, was it the New Zealand moon rock or Australian moon rock or something? One of the moon rocks, it was fake. And then you go looking at the pictures. So you talked about cameras, right? Those slow cameras. Well, the cameras that they use for the steel pictures, those cameras are super heavy. So they, one of the reasons why they said that uh, it was just Buzz Aldrin and... Uh, uh, Neil Armstrong. Neil, Neil, Neil Armstrong in the, in the, in the, land, in the landing module whatever it's called um was because they couldn't they, they couldn't have too much weight in there for a third person <laughs> but the cameras with how much film that they took thousands of feet thousands of feet <laughs> would would weigh almost like a, having a third person in there because each one of those would be like close to like 70 some odd pounds or something like that so you're talking two cameras with a, like thousands of feet of film you could have had a third person in there easily and then you know there's things that people point out in the pictures and stuff like that. There's like, oh, not from the first landing. I know you talked about like, this is mainly about the first landing, but, and one of the other landings with, um, Al Shepard, um, he, that's where he did, does that famous golf shot saying that the ball goes on and on and on. Well, the other, the other astronaut in there was Mitchell. And in the picture where he, uh, where Al Shepard is like hitting the golf ball, Mitchell's also in the picture. <laughs> And, uh, and, on and, on. and NASA even had to admit later on that it was a fake. So if NASA is admitting the, after being things being pointed out to them that these pictures are fake, uh, the, uh, the, there was a fake moon rock, it's almost impossible. Like it's almost a, totally impossible for someone to shoot in to that tiny window to, uh, to come back to Earth. And the things that you mentioned as well, um, it's easy to question why this may not have happened. Yeah, uh, we're talking nine years later, 1978, uh, Peter Hyman came out with a film called Capricorn One, which went through to fake a Mars landing and then later reportedly come out and admit to the people of the world that the Mars landing was fake. I'm literally looking at this thinking, that's a good way to research how people would react. Right. Oh, hey, guys, don't do it. The movie didn't go well. People hated it. And, uh, yeah, don't tell them the moon landing was fake. Also, it's a great pride point in American history. It is. Um, and I think that, if nothing else, is one of the reasons they will never, we would never know the truth. Yeah, there's also uh, another one of the pictures. Um, I think it was Buzz Aldrin um, took a picture of... Who's the other guy? Uh, Neil Armstrong. Neil Armstrong, or maybe it's the other way around. But when you look at the picture in the uh, in the helmet, uh, you can you can make out possibly that there was a photographer in there. Weird, weird, right? Um, so now let's just say, for instance, if they did use fake rocks um, and fake pictures. But they actually went to the moon, and we actually went there. What would be some reasons why that would happen? I mean, that's just the the point is that it didn't happen. The first landing didn't happen. Beyond that, there's proof of life and other things, uh, biological 
contaminants. I don't know, maybe COVID-19, <laughs> 20, 28, 35, whatever's next. Um, biological contaminants and other things. Uh, one of the things that when I think of the multiple moon landings that really stands out to me is that with the first moon landing, they came back and everything was good. Everything's cool. Everything's cool. Everything is not cool. As we learn from the other moon landings where I think you see there was some truth, which is these astronauts come back and they're being interviewed and they look like they just saw a ghost or an alien or something, maybe a transformer on the dark side of the moon. Who knows? But they literally look like they just saw a ghost. The first ones were like, yeah. I'm not impacted at all. That wasn't scary. That was fun. Uh-uh. <laughs> Nothing fun about that. Well, see, I think you're right on the right subject there. I think um, where I was kind of going with that, why would you fake pictures if, like, let's say you went up to the moon and there was already aliens there or other life forms, and they told the and basically either the government wants to keep it from the populace because they know we'd freak out, or B... Uh, the, since they are maybe an advanced technology race, uh, they basically said, uh, you do not report about us being here. I mean, it's, those are possibilities. Or, you know, another possibility could be, like, maybe the maybe the cameras and stuff didn't work. Hollow like, moon theory, another one. Yeah. So, but I do, <laughs> I'll, I'll kind of admit here at this point, I do think we went to the moon. But I think the moon landing itself that we saw on TV and all that stuff and the pictures and that we learn in the history books, I think that was all fake. July 20th, 1969. Yeah. And the other thing, the other thing I have a hard time really believing is a phone call from the White House to them talking. Um, I mean, they say that they, that there was, you could use like shorthand radio to possibly pull that off, but I'm not positive about that. Let's try it. <laughs> you know, I must can prove it or not. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I don't, I mean, because they almost made it seem like it's pretty instantaneous when you watch those videos. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, but don't you think for one second, if it wasn't instantaneous, that they could change the speed to make it look instantaneous <laughs> as they couldn't do with the moon coverage, <laughs> making it look like everything moved slower. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think it's a good point. Also, um, yeah, we just couldn't lose the arms race. No, we couldn't, and that was a that was an important thing there. And I, I and I know one of the things that you, if you go like go search on Google or whatever, you go do your internet sleuthing, uh, you'll find that Stanley Kubrick's daughter says, "Oh, he never filmed it. It was all just a big hoax." What makes you think that the government didn't pressure her to lie? Or that she had any idea. Or, yeah. If I was Stanley Kubrick, that would be literally my, like, greatest effort of all time would be to do it and tell nobody. I think he tried to tell somebody on his deathbed. I wouldn't doubt that. I think there was an interview or something like that where he talks about it. But, like, the government denied it and now his daughter denies it. But, I don't know. Here's the next question with this. What's on the damn dark side of the moon? What is there that makes people turn white like they saw a ghost? And to the point of right before COVID happened, China sent up 
a spaceship to go take photos and videos of the dark never side of the moon. Never came back, right? Never came back, or, or at least, or at least we don't know of it coming back, and we never saw anything. Because if you can have a radio transmission from the White House to the moon in 1969, you can absolutely send videos and photos back to Earth in 2019 or 2018, and uh, receive them, even if the rocket doesn't come back. Did it not come back or did it just not take photos or I don't remember what happened. We never got to see any of it. Why is that? Another good question is, does the, does the moon rotate? Because I thought I read somewhere it doesn't really rotate. It doesn't. Way. It stays still front to the face of Earth, almost like the back is flat. <laughs> and the thing, you know, got to think about that. Oh, my God, Becky, check out that butt. <laughs> it's so big. <laughs> Four, three, two, one, Earth below. (laughs) There's a lot going on. So uh, ultimately, here is what I do and don't believe. I do believe we have been to the moon as American and as astronauts have made it there. I do not believe that first moon landing was real. That's really my belief. Um, The one thing that most people think of the immediate one out there is the flag flowing in the wind, and they try to uh, play that one off. Possibly true, by the way, as to they had just put it into the surface of the moon and the flag was still falling, which makes sense. You go up. You go down, flag goes up, flag comes down, it waves. I think that's actually true in the the gravity it would have faced or not. But uh, that's not the the key point to me. It's just like the Kennedy assassination. It's why well I lie about the possibilities of other things. So here's another qu- question to ask to ask yourself maybe or just a group in general whoever's listening to us or watching us. I think it was uh, Bush, the second Bush, who said he wanted us to go back to the moon and it'd take 20 years. Now, how... (laughs) How were we there uh, in 1969? Able to get there in 1969 and what, in 2012? 20 years. How is it that we are not, like, we were way more advanced technology-wise. How is it that we're not able to put something together within a few years to go back up to the moon? If we already did it once or six times for six times and we have much more advanced technology, why would it take us 20 years to go back up to the moon? Hmm. So that almost makes you question the other six times. I, think, I don't know. I mean, it could. I mean, what would it take that? I mean, you talk about the most wealthy country in the world. We, you don't think we don't have enough like we borrow enough money from China and everywhere else to like to where we could build it. <laughs> I don't think the materials would be an issue. Uh, you know, I'm just gonna say Biden. <laughs> I, I mean, Elon. If, if Elon Musk and uh, the uh, Bezos, Amazon guy, if they're shooting rockets out into the out into the atmosphere and coming back and coming back. How is it that we're not able to go NASA? to the moon? Yeah, yeah. how is NASA yeah. not able to go to the moon? Oh, it's gonna take them 20 years. Like it didn't take them 20 years to build those rockets. Not even close. And they don't have all of like all the US taxpayers. Yeah. <laughs> no, I know. It's 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 wild to think about the uh, new arms race and why is it that these privateers 
uh, Elon Musk or Bezos are the ones shooting rockets off, to your point, where's our game? Yeah, where's the United States? Where's any country besides China who supposedly reportedly sent one, although we don't know anything about that? And why is China trying to, like, if, if the U.S. has already been to the moon, why is China trying to go to the moon now? Like, after all these years, why are they trying to go to the moon now? Or back in 2018, 2019. Yeah, I agree. It makes no sense. So uh, one more thing here. Um, as you as uh, you saw me earlier today, I was listening to uh, <laughs> Coast to Coast with George Nori and this uh, guy, Marcus Allen. And uh, in the last hour of the show, uh, George Nori did a, did a uh, random poll. He called it a lightning poll or something like that. Okay. Where he had uh, his listeners... Just uh, message in. Do you believe in the moon landing, or do you, or do you believe it was a hoax? And uh, George Nori was actually surprised. I was actually not surprised by the number. I actually thought the numbers would be a little bit different. I thought the uh, the people who thought that the moon landing was a hoax, I thought the number would be a little bit higher. But it was at forty percent. I thought it would be at fifty. Well, like nationally, the last like national poll for non-specific show or event watchers is that only 5% of Americans believe it's a hoax. Really? Yeah. 5% believe it's a hoax? Yeah. And the other 95 believe it all really happened. That's odd because like his show, like this, this was in 20, like this show happened in January, 2022. Right. And it was like 40, 60. 60 believed it happened and 40 believed it didn't. And there's a couple of things that may be impacting that. It's not just his show, but also uh, the current state of economic, uh, political, and social, a.k.a. media affairs. Yeah. So, obviously, his show, you know, his listeners are going to probably be like, let's just be real. Coast to coast with George and Ori, they talk about UFOs, aliens, conspiracy theories, all that stuff. So, I think you're going to have a higher amount of people who believe that the moon landing was a hoax um, for his listeners, maybe on a national scale. And remember, this is in January. So this is January 26th, this episode. So I think Trump was just about ready to get out of office. So Trump was still in office, I believe, or just left office. So I think if you really were to pull the U.S. uh, populace now, it might be higher than 2%. To your point. Now that people know how much the government lies, how much the media lies, maybe they question. What can you trust? Yeah. I 100% agree with that. I mean, how can we even trust our history at this point? Some of it. Mm. Yeah. I think about that once in a while and I'm like, okay, so we got rid of all these statues in the South because these people were slave owners. You know who else owns slaves? Lincoln. The Lincoln Monument still stands. Are we supposed to get rid of that? A, I certainly hope not. B, the rest of them, whether or not I agreed with them, uh, they're still a piece of history. Like, why are we getting rid of history? You can go to a history museum and see far worse than that. But we're going to take away, you know, monuments, not national monuments per se, but monuments because why? Well, that's for for two things. One, you would have a monument up for just to remind us never to do those things again. Bingo. Or two, as a reminder <laughs> of, or two, just say, you know, to remind us of how great things were or great things that happened. Yeah. I mean, it could be utilized for two different reasons. But removing it, I think it's just pure stupidity. Right. It's like taking the truth. It's like taking sex ed out of high school and then expecting people to have any idea. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, you mean I shouldn't have done that if I didn't want kids when I was 18? <sighs> cool. <laughs> well, too late now. <laughs> I'm going to go do it again. What? Uh, Welfare! <laughs> Rest of my life. There's two. Um, anything else you want to mention on the moon landing? No, I, uh, I think it's a fascinating topic. It's one that uh, I've had many heated debates about with lots of individuals who, at the end of the day, before they do any research, really just want, they are people who believe in America and science. You know, oh, I'll, I'll bring this up too. I, uh, my mom, I think when, obviously when she was younger, she was, she was around to see the moon landing and uh, she thought it was real when she was younger. But now that after like learning everything she's learned about the government and the media, I asked her and she's like, nope. Yeah. It was real. yeah, I, I think that's the truth. I think it was very believable in 1969. And they're saying, oh, it couldn't have been faked. Why doesn't one, just one person go revisit some of the movies that have come out over the decades? Or why don't we just say, hey, Miramax, any of you main movie houses, Paramount, you guys do your best. Show us a fake moon landing. And I will bet you dollars for donuts they could make something look far better than anything we have seen. Oh, yeah. I agree. But no, it's impossible, really. Nothing's impossible. Except yeah. for the first moon landing, actually, of having heaven. <laughs> and actually, I don't know that. It's just what I believe. I don't know it either, but I think there's enough circum circumstantial evidence out there that kind of proves that uh, that would that could lead. I won't say proves, but that could lead a person to question if it actually did happen. All right, I will uh, finish my little piece of this. Okay, and then if you have anything else, now it's interesting because I do think some other truths for not the first moon landing per se, uh, but for the others in particular, um, whether or not it was possible, whether or not it's dropping a one inch marble from the top of the, uh, uh, you know tallest building in America at a point, um, down into a coffee mug multiple times in a row, those astronauts were all expendable. Yes. And I think they went into it. And I do think that the first astronauts went into orbit and came back knowing they were expendable because no matter what, they were going to be these great big heroes. Um, but what's interesting to me is the revisit of such a situation, a circumstance, an event in Top Gun Maverick. And Maverick sees that the Admiral and others see all of these pilots, people he cares about, because they're Americans, by the way, he loves America, um, these Americans as expendable, and he does not. And you see it from the beginning of the movie on. So the mission is to get in, drop the bombs, and blow up the target. And Maverick's comment is, and get out, sir. And... The Admiral's right hand just kind of looks at the Admiral and the Admiral's like, and get out. And only until Maverick proves it could be done and that he was the choice, is there ever that chance? Yep. It's interesting because at that point in the time, NASA in particular was all Air Force based. It is interesting. And I really don't have much more to say. I, I, like, I meant, like I mentioned, I think it's, do I believe that we've, I believe we have the capability to get to the moon. Um, I think there's a high probability we actually did make it to the moon. 
but I believe the actual moon landing that we see in the history books and on the, the recordings and stuff like that, I think that was fake. All right. Well, remember, drink responsibly, <laughs> have a have a dram, and go watch a fake moon landing. <laughs> Let us know about your opinions, too. Yeah. We want to know if you guys think the moon landing was fake as well. Absolutely. Uh, I would love some great conversation with other points uh, to really see there's always new info. And I'd love to hear your side. All right. Um, I guess next week's topic. Are we, are we at that point? I think so. All right. Next week's topic is going to be the Mandela effect and whether or not we believe uh, the CERN uh, super collider is partially at fault for <laughs> responsible <laughs> responsible for the uh, multiple uh Mandela effects out there and we'll uh we'll we'll try to set up something new here maybe to where we'll see the pictures and we'll throw it up onto the screen and then we'll talk about which ones we think uh are the real ones versus what they say is the real one and and i don't know what are we gonna drink bondu sure whatever works whatever's groovy the balvini the american oak yes Sweet toast of American oak. I wonder what the bottle looks like. I don't even know. I never even opened it up. This is a spoiler alert. <laughs> spoiler alert. This is what the bottle looks like. It's a pretty good looking bottle. Yeah, it's pretty nice. Yeah. I was wondering if it's going to be similar to the canister. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of how I envision it, too. <laughs> All right. Uh, do you have anything you want to say to the people before we go? Remember, drink responsibly. Keep uh, using your head. Hold yourself accountable and responsible. Uh, make good choices for your next fearless leader in politics. Um, and really, let us uh, know what you like, don't like about the show, what's great, what's not great. For those of you who were at Top Gun Maverick when we rented the theater, man, give us some dang feedback. You guys have all the reason in the world. You guys have already shared with us a little bit about it was fun, this and that and the other. What it are things that would have made it better because it was absolutely a blast for us. Um, we want to keep doing these things, but uh, we also want things to be value added. So with that. All right. So with that, um, I probably should have mentioned this in my uh, um, shout outs, but uh, maybe I'll mention it next week as well. But thank you, Kathy, for uh, uh, doing a one-time donation to us. Uh, we greatly appreciate that. Um for all of those of you who uh, listen to us on Audible, Spotify, or any other type of uh, Audible type of format, we want to thank you. Uh, we had another really great month. It wasn't as good as uh, a couple months ago where we had so many, but uh, we saw it in the mid-50s, so uh, it's still pretty good uh, showing there. So thank you once again for listening to us. Uh, for everyone who does watch us on on uh, on Rumble and YouTube, thank you once again. And uh with that, uh, cheers. Oh, and before we do go, if you do want to be a patron member, right down in our description, the very first link there, uh, you'll see the Podbean patron, and you can click on that link. It's your first way to get a ticket for the theater rentals. Exactly. Like, it's how you end up on the A-list. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> Literally. And Kathy's on the A-list already. Yeah, and uh, unfortunately, a couple of our other A-listers were in a different state, um, but they'll be on the next A-list. Exactly. All or right. become a co-host. There you go. You also get a list status for that. <laughs> All right. So, uh, 
Scotchman! Cheers. Cheers. We hope you enjoyed this evening's episode of Scotch Hour. If you did, please like, share, and subscribe. Also, if you have not done so already, please become a patron member with memberships starting as low as $1 a month. Thank you, and hopefully you have a wonderful evening.